Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Luke chapter number one, and this is Luke's account of the gospel. Uh, Luke says, let's start reading, if you would please, in verse number five. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abbi, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord blameless. They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn in incense uh, when, he came, when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, unto him, fear not Zacharias for thy prayers is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, for he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. Luke makes a statement in verse number three. We didn't read that, but I want to go back and read verse number three here. He says this, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, to write unto thee in order. So Luke sets out to write from the beginning of, of the story God's redemptive plan for mankind. So Luke's goal, his whole goal as he's writing to this one Theophilus, he's writing to him to tell them the story of the birth of Jesus Christ and the reason why Jesus came. I want you to just turn, stay in Luke, but go to Luke chapter 24, the very last chapter in the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 24, Luke sets out to write this story. It's God's redemptive plan. I love the book of Luke as Luke is writing from his perspective, all that is transpired there with the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. He writes in verse number 46. He sums up everything that he has written now in verse number 46, as he writes what Jesus says. And he said unto them, thus it is written and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And so Luke is setting in order for Theopolis, for those that are reading the gospel of Luke, the beginning 
The birth of Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 2, is a familiar passage of Scripture for many of us. It's a passage that many on Christmas morning will go to and will read to our families before we open gifts, and that's the story, the birth of Jesus Christ. But Luke says, I'm going to set in order for you, uh, Theophilus, all that is transpired in this story. He sets it out in chapter number one. But what's interesting to me is as Luke is beginning to set in order the story of the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ, he doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. He doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph, the angel coming to Mary. He doesn't begin with the, the shepherds coming to the, to the manger scene and, and uh, uh, glorifying the Lord. He doesn't come and start with the, the wise men that come and see Jesus, the babe Jesus. He doesn't start with any of those things. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even start with Jesus. In chapter number one, he begins to start with this family. He starts the story with another family. Zacharias is the husband. He's a priest. He starts the story with Elizabeth, who's the wife, who is a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. But she is from the family of Aaron, the priestly uh, uh, family of Aaron. He starts the story with this one John we know as John the Baptist. He's the child, the baby, and he is known as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back and you were to study the prophets in the Old Testament, you would find this, that they prophesied that there would be one that would come and preach that Jesus Christ was coming. He's called the forerunner of Christ. And that's where Luke begins the, uh, the story of the birth of Jesus, of laying out the redemptive plan or the gospel message, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is where Luke begins. And Luke shares the story of how God used this family to present his son to mankind. I heard a preacher say this one time that God is a floristic God. And, and when they made that statement, it, it just, it resonated with me. Because we as human beings, many of us, we can do one thing at a time and our focus is on one thing. And you know that so often Michelle will say to me, uh, she'll be talking to me and my mind will be on something else or I'm thinking about something else. And she's talking to me about something totally different than what I can concentrate on. And as after all the time she's talking, she'll say to me this, did you hear anything that I said? And I'll say to her this, I heard everything you said, but it just didn't compute between my ears. I heard you, but I can only really do one thing. I'll say sometimes later on, I'll say, hey, babe, what about this? And she'll say, I just talked to you about that. We just had that conversation. And I'll say, did I answer you? And she said, you even answered me. But I'm kind of just one thing. But God, God is a pluralistic God. God is always at work and God is at work everywhere. God can do more than just one thing. God can work in the heart of just one, more than one person. God is working. And what I love about the story, as Luke is describing this in chapter number one, God is setting in order his redemptive plan. 
Now, Elizabeth is not going to birth Jesus Christ, and Zacharias is not going to be the father of Jesus, and John is not the Savior, the Redeemer of mankind. But as God's plan is unfolding, as he is working in the heart of Mary, as he's working in the heart of Joseph, as Jesus Christ is being conceived of the Holy Spirit inside of Mary's womb, God is also working in the life of this family. And God is using this family for a great plan. God says, look again, if you would please with me. He says in verse number uh, 14 of chapter one, and thou shall have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. He's not talking of the birth of Jesus here. He's talking of the birth of John the Baptist. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. For And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. This is speaking of the child that Elizabeth is going to have. This is speaking of the child that Zacharias is going to have. They're going to have a child. His name is going to be John. John is going to be preaching the glorious gospel, repentance on the Lord. It's John that's going to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ. It's John that's going to hear uh, uh, as he baptizes the Lord Jesus, a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the John. This is the one that we are hearing of. And this is the one Luke is speaking. Speaking of, Luke shares the story of how God used this family to present his son to mankind. As I was just studying through, just studying this story and reading and asking the Lord to give us something this week that we could take from this passage from the Christmas story. I want us to take a look at these these people. And I want us to see the type of people that God used to introduce his son to the world. You see, Zacharias and Elizabeth and John, they are used of God because God has a redemptive plan for mankind. And it wasn't John the Baptist. It wasn't Elizabeth. And it was not, it was not uh, Zacharias. It is Jesus Christ. But God used this family so that the name of Christ could be exalted, so John could preach repentance from our sins as a forerunner of Christ. You know, it's interesting, Mary and Joseph, we read the story of them, and there's many that would probably say this, I could never be someone like Mary who could birth and be the mother of Jesus. Imagine what type of person you'd have to be to be the mother of Jesus. I mean, Mary's a sinner. Jesus is perfect. Jesus never got in trouble. Jesus was just the perfect child, the perfect son. Joseph, who God looked down and said, now Mary and Joseph, these are the ones that I want to raise my child. Many could look at them and say, boy, to live up to them and to be like them would be almost impossible. But I want us to see this story, this family, Elizabeth, Zacharias, And how God used them in this message of the gospel. I want you to find verse number six again with me and look with me how they're described in verse number six. And there were, and they were both, both speaking of Elizabeth and of Zacharias, they were both righteous before God. 
walking in all the commandments and ordinances of, of the Lord. And I like this last word, blameless. They were obedient. Now we're going to look at several things about this family in chapter number one. And there's so many things about this family that describes many of us here today. This family had a heart for the Lord. This family wanted to please the Lord. This family was obedient. If you'd write this down someplace in your heart, I want you to see, first of all, that this family, both of them were obedient to what they knew as truth. This family knew the word of God. This family served the Lord. This family was brought up in the ways of the Lord, the ordinance of the Lord. And the Bible says this, they were obedient. They, they were righteous. They were blameless. They learned what the word of God said, and they did what the word of God said. These were obedient people to the Lord. They were righteous people. That means this, they had a desire to serve the Lord. What they were on the inside is what they were on the outside, and what they were on the outside is who they were on the inside. They simply had a desire to serve the Lord. They knew the Word of God. They were obedient to the Word of God, and they walked after His commandments, and the Bible says His ordinances. And so this family is a husband and a wife who simply had a desire to serve the Lord. And when they were taught something of the Lord, they were obedient to it. What a wonderful testimony that is. They were blameless, meaning this, they did right. No one was going to catch them. You knew what was right, but you did the opposite. Or you knew what the Lord wanted, but you did the opposite. No, when they found out what the Lord desired from them through his law and through his ordinances, they simply did it. They were obedient. If the Lord told them to do something through his word, they had a, a desire to do it. They lived a life that they desired to please the Lord with their life. What an incredible testimony this is. What they learned, they obeyed. Well, every single one of us here today could learn from this family. What they learned, they obeyed. They lived a life pleasing to the Lord. They had this great desire to serve the Lord with their life. They decided to be obedient. It was a decision that they made. And just like us here today, if we're going to serve the Lord, if this could be the testimony of us, it's going to come from a decision that we make that we will serve the Lord. And every one of us here today have the decision to make. The truth of the word of God that's being preached, the truth of the word of God that we read the truth of the word of God that we hear over and over and over again. I want to ask you this morning, what do you do with the word of God? Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were obedient to it. They lived their life. They made a decision to live their life pleasing to the Lord. What a fabulous testimony this couple had. If the word of God said it, they did it. They had a desire to do right. Now, they had all of these things and they were going to have a desire to do right. Yet what is interesting to me is God did not choose them to birth Jesus, although he could have. But God still used them in his work. They lived in such a way that God, when he needed to use someone, they were available to be used. 
This morning, I ask you this question. Are you living in such a way in your home privately? Are you living such a way publicly? Are you serving the Lord? Are you obedient to the Lord? Do your, your innermost thoughts, are they, are they pleasing to the Lord? If God wanted to use you for his work, would God be able to use you? If God said, I need a family, I need a husband and wife that, that were obedient to my word, that were living for me, there's a job that I need done. Would God be able to use your family like God used this family? The word of the Lord said it. Do you do it? God gives us a, a peep, gave us a people here, this, this couple that simply were committed to obedience. You know, as I was thinking through and praying through this passage of Scripture, I thought to myself this, what God can do, what God can do with people that are committed to obedience. Oh, what God can do. All of Israel was going to hear the story of repentance through John because Elizabeth and Zacharias were committed to obedience. I thought what God could do with a couple who raised children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, what God could do with that child because parents chose to be obedient, what God could do with a church because that church chose to be obedient, what God could do with a, a people, what God could do in this generation if a generation of Christians in this generation chose to be obedient. What God could do with a committed group of people, God could use and see wonderful things done for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like this family. And what the Lord says, the Lord does. And the Lord said, this family I'm going to use. When the Lord spoke, they listened. You know, we live in a world today that is always competing for our attention. And sometimes we think this, living maybe back in those days, it was a lot easier than living in our day. But I want you to realize this, that sin was still sin in those days, just like it is today. There was still crime and there was still um, uh, sin and there was still corruption in those days, just like today. Israel is being uh, occupied by Rome. There's great torture that's taken place, great, great uh, crime that's taken place, and, and, and the human beings are being killed and being persecuted. I would submit to you this. It may be different today than it was back then, but it was difficult back then because sin always makes it difficult. But there was a group of people, there was a family that was committed to the Lord, no matter what the competing, the competing uh, 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 voice being heard from the world was, they, they, were, they were not going to submit to the things of this world, but rather they were going to live for the Lord. And God help us stay obedient to his word. God call us to do something great for his gospel work. God, I pray, would use us and use you and use me, and your family and my family, when he has a desire to do wonderful, great, uh, amazing things in this generation for the gospel work, I pray that he finds obedient families here amongst us. So I find that this family is obedient. And sometimes as we're looking at the people that God uses, if we're not careful, we look at all of the wonderful characteristics and sometimes we say, I just can't relate to someone like that. I've made mistakes. 
There's something here in this passage scripture I want us to see as well. Not only does God use this family because of their obedience, I want you to see something in this family. The Bible tells us this in verse number seven. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. That verse, verse number seven says a lot. Go with me to verse number 25 of this same chapter. Thus the Lord. Now she's all, we've, we've jumped ahead and the angel Gabriel comes and tells Zacharias that your wife is going to conceive and she conceives in five months. She keeps it quiet. And the Bible says in verse number 25, thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Verse number 25 shares with us and gives us an even more in-depth look at the heart of Elizabeth. Verse number seven says they had no child. This was not by their doing. They wanted a child. But Elizabeth could not have a child. She was barren. And now, now not only, not only can she not have a child when she was young, the Bible tells us now, now they're stricken in age, meaning this, it's impossible. It's impossible. Now she's too old to have a child. In verse number 25, it tells us, it tells us that she now has a child, but she keeps it for five, five months. And, and, and this is what her thought is. Her thought is this, to take away my reproach among men. It tells you how heartbroken Elizabeth was all of these years, wanting a child, but not being able to have a child. And so first of all, I see in this passage of scripture, a family that God uses that was obedient. And then secondly, I want you to write this down. This family that was obedient, this family that was serving the Lord. Secondly, there's something about this family. This family lived with sorrow and disappointment. This family lived with sorrow and disappointment. As I studied through this, I find from the outside, everything seemed great. Everything seemed perfect. He was a priest. He was well-respected. He would go and, and do, the, do the incense and serve in the temple. He was obedient. He did exactly like he was supposed to do. And, and, and Elizabeth, she comes from a very good line. She comes from the, the, the tribe uh, of the family of Aaron. I mean, what a, what a great pedigree this family has. What a great testimony this family has. This family is known for being obedient. This family is serving in the temple and has a great reputation. And everything looks great on the outside. This family is serving the Lord and doing well. But as they're obedient, as they're serving the Lord, as things go well, inside their heart is broken. They're dealing with sorrow. There's something missing the dream that they had when they were uh, to be espoused and, and to be married, I'm sure they talked about children like every married couple does. How many children do you want to have? When do you want to have children? If you're like us, we were going to have one child and we we're going to wait five years. We were now five children and we had it in the first year. We had it all backwards. You make all of these dreams and part of your dreams is what is our family going to look like? These are our dreams. These are our hopes. Could you imagine? They didn't have the doctors like we have today. Month after month, year after year. 
Elizabeth is pleading and praying and, 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 and Zacharias is pleading and praying, God, give us a child. Month after month and year after year, no child comes. And now Elizabeth is old. She's past childbearing ages, age, and she's not going to have this child. And she holds this sorrow and this disappointment in her heart. I'm sure when Elizabeth saw other people, other moms with new more babes, I'm sure her heart would ache. There's a couple new babies in this room and uh, in our church. And I was holding one the other night and I walked up to one of the, the new, uh, new um, uh, married folks in our church and married couples. And I let her hold the baby. And I said, boy, that baby looks really good on you. I love it when I hear someone's having a baby. What a beautiful thing that is. And most that have had children, when they hear my wife, we've had five children. When she hears that somebody else has a child, she just gets so excited. But it's really hard for Elizabeth to get excited because Elizabeth so desperately wanted a child. And when she would see someone else having a child, I'm sure that gave her even more of a broken heart. She wanted to give her husband a child, but she couldn't give her husband a child. And this was something they lived with. This was something they lived with for years. This is something they lived with all through their young life, all through their married life. Now they're older and this is a sorrow. This is a disappointment that this family lived with. Something that was always missing in her life. But although they lived with a broken heart, this family still stayed obedient to the Lord. One of the things that I enjoy about pastoring any length of time, you know, when you're new, you know know nothing. (laughs) The longer you've been there, the more you know about the broken hearts of people. And I know there's many in this church that have a broken heart. I know there's many in this church that have sorrow that they deal with. I know there's many in this church that if they had it their way, they would have a totally different script written for their life. But God had a different plan. And I want to encourage you today that even when you have sorrow, even when you have disappointment, even when life is not scripted the way that you would like it to be scripted, you can still be obedient to God and God can still use you. You see, Elizabeth looked out and saw all of these women that it seemed like God was blessing with children. And she so desperately wanted to have this child. She wanted to give this child to her husband. She wanted to raise this child. And she would have raised that child in a great way. She was obedient. She was faithful. She loved the Lord and would have been a great mother as a young child. She would have probably done a wonderful job with multiple children. But God had a plan for her. And God had a plan through her sorrow. And God had a plan through her disappointment. 
And I would say this, although she lived much of her life with sorrow and disappointment, it was Elizabeth and the child that she eventually had that God used in a marvelous way. It was this woman that had great sorrow and great disappointment, but eventually it was her child that God gave her that baptized the very Jesus, the Messiah there in that river. It was, it was this young boy, this baby that grew up to be a man that God used to be the forerunner of the Savior, Jesus Christ, to preach repentance to all of Israel. It was her through her disappointment and her sorrow. What am I saying this morning? That God can turn your sorrow and he can turn your disappointment and he still can use you. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm sure there's many a times that her heart was broken. She was probably invited to many showers. She probably wrapped many a gifts. She probably gave many a presents to her friends that were having children. She was probably invited to many birthday parties where her children, uh, her friends' children were having, and she was missing out on this in her life. But God had a plan. God was going to use that sorrow. God was going to use that disappointment. And God used that for his glory. You see, God uses obedient people. God also uses broken people. God uses people that are sorrowful. But what do you do with your sorrow, church? What do you do with your disappointment? I want you to see here in this passage of scripture, we don't find Elizabeth getting angry at God. We don't, feel, we don't see Elizabeth turning from God. We don't see Elizabeth running from everything that is right. We see the opposite. We see Elizabeth, that verse number six says she was obedient. Both of them were obedient. Both of them were blameless. blameless. She had sorrow, yet she still trusted God in your sorrow, in your disappointment, still trust God. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.